As a real estate manager, Principal Asset Management harnesses the power of a 360-degree perspective, delivering local insights and global expertise across public and private equity and debt. Their teams apply local insights and global perspectives to help identify the most compelling investing opportunities. Principal Asset Management, actively invested. Learn more at principalam.com. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Principal Asset Management SM is a trade name of Principal Global Investors, LLC. Hey there, it's Joe Weisenthal. And Tracy Alloway. And we are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And we want to tell you about a new podcast here at Bloomberg we're really excited about. Money Stuff, the podcast. That's right. Friend of the pod, Matt Levine, is teaming up with our other friend and Bloomberg TV host, Katie Greifeld, to bring the Money Stuff newsletter to life. Every Friday, Matt and Katie will dive into all the Wall Street finance and other things that make Matt's newsletter such a hit. You can listen to Money Stuff, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Odd Lots podcast. I'm Joe Weisenthal, Managing Editor at Bloomberg Markets. And I'm Tracy Alloway, Executive Editor of Bloomberg Markets. Uh, so, Tracy, today's um, episode is going to be, I think, our first repeat guest since we've had the uh, since we've started the podcast. Our first follow-up, right? Yeah, first follow-up. So, uh, long-time listeners will remember several weeks ago, we had an episode all about uh, the betting markets in the UK, political betting markets and what people were gambling ahead of the Brexit vote. And as you might have heard, uh, most people got that vote just a little bit wrong. Yeah, but not just, I mean, the uh, betting shops didn't just get Brexit wrong. They kind of got it wrong in the face of a lot of evidence that was suggesting that it was going to be a a lot closer, right? Some of the polls showed pretty much a 50-50 split right ahead of the vote. And the betting shops still had the chances of remain much, much higher. Yeah, no, that was one of the remarkable things, which is that the polls never showed remain with a commanding lead, at least not in the last several weeks. And yet both the gambling markets and just sort of the pure currency markets, as judged Mm -hmm. by the violent reaction we saw in Sterling in the wake of the vote, everyone was caught completely off sides. And so you like to think, or one might think, that gamblers or financial markets somehow distill the wisdom of crowds and that the wisdom of crowds um, is usually right. But as we can see, uh, in this case at least, uh, the wisdom of crowds was incredibly wrong. And right, it was so costly for people. Exactly why they got it so wrong this time, right? Great. So with us now uh, to talk about uh, political betting markets and what they got wrong is Mike Smithson, the editor of politicalbetting.com. Mike, we had you on the podcast back in early May, and we talked about what um, uh, the betting markets were saying for the Brexit vote. And suffice to say, the betting markets got it quite wrong. Uh, What happened? I think everybody got it quite wrong. I think that the um, we saw that the polls that were coming out on even right on the final day were showing that Remain had a lead, and I think the betting markets were following those polls. And as it as it turned out, um, <laughs> they were wrong, and uh, and and people 
lost a lot of money who were actually gambling on on that election, adding adding to the other travails of of the the actual outcome. But that's a different matter. So I'm confused, though, because the betting markets are supposed to do something other than just reflect on the polls, right? They're supposed to add in their own calculations of probabilities and things like that. So what exactly went on here? Um, Well, whatever those calculations were, those didn't actually um, apply. I think I think that uh, though I should say that um, I didn't place any bets on the on the referendum from about three weeks beforehand, because uh, I was getting a sense that things were a lot tighter than the polls were suggesting. Uh, But other polls, other polls were not doing that. Now, what, what, what other punters are not doing that? Now, what tends to happen? With betting on betting markets, as you get very close to election day, the the the, the actual market, the people actually betting, broadens out. So you're getting much many many more people. People who bet on horses, they bet on football, they bet on they bet on other sporting events. They tend to come into the to in, into the betting market, mm. and 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 that has been quite well recorded that this can have a distorting impact on the on, on the market. And they they tend to look at it, and they tend to follow the favourites. And and my reading is that that's what happened here. I mean, it was actually quite ridiculous on 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 the, on the night as the results were coming in. It was blindingly obvious from the way the first the first the first areas to declare uh, that this was going to go, going to go to leave. Uh, and that's that was certainly what you know certainly my my view of it. And I was tweeting that. Uh, but the markets. Was, was sort of an hour, a half an hour, 45 minutes uh, delay in terms of catching up with that reality, which was which just appeared very strange to me. And I think it is simply that there were a very different sort of, uh, of, of gambler on the market, not the people with the political specialty. I noticed the same thing that night, and I was tweeting about it, um, that, you know, for example, right as soon as we got the results out of Sunderland and Newcastle, two early ons, and both of them were much worse for the Remain camp than by a a large margin than anyone thought, it looked pretty clear, and the political experts I was following said, you know, this really looked bad for Remain. But it took the markets, and not just betting markets, but even Sterling, you know, still held up for a while. It really seemed like people were so entrenched in this view that Remain was going to win that counter evidence right in their face. It took they it, people just weren't accepting it. I think that was right. I think we we had a uh, a poll, two polls that were published immediately after the election, which had been taken during the day, and both of those were showing a, a, a lead for Remain. Uh, and I think it was the cumulative effect of that. And on the TV screens here, uh, those polls were sort of superimposed all the time, so people could see it. And I think people mm. were, were were attaching far too much credence to them. I mean, as I say, I, I, I found after the uh, the first two results, it was very clear to me that this was going to be leave. And I have to say, I had a very financially very successful night. <laughs> Oh, so you took advantage. You took advantage of the fact that you could see the numbers right in front of your face, and the fact that the markets had not reflected them yet. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I, I well was done. tweeting. <laughs> I was tweeting on, on, on that after I placed my bets to say, "Look, fantastic value. Get on. Get on. Uh, leave while it uh, is only a thirty-nine percent chance, and so on." And so it, yeah. it seemed comple- it seemed completely right. And and that normally, I have to say, without being sounding too arrogant, when I uh, tweet things about political betting. 
uh, it tends to impact on the market. That didn't even impact on the market, mm. which, uh, which uh, suggests that there was a much broader number of people who were betting on it than those who uh, uh, follow the political blogs and so on. Well, Joe mentioned this idea that um, the, Remain, the success of the Remain campaign was kind of entrenched in people's minds, right? No one thought Brexit was going to happen. And one of the criticisms of the bookies uh, ahead of, or after the vote, I should say, was that we had a large number of bets coming from London, specifically where there mm. was strong report for Remain, and then that ended, ended up skewing the outcome. Is that something you think actually happened? I think that that was there to a certain extent. Um, and I think certainly that the atmosphere in London was was totally different from the rest of, rest of the country, as we saw as we saw from, from the results. London was very strongly. Uh, for, for Remain, and obviously London has more active people, I guess, so, who are gambling on these matters. And I think that that might well have distorted the betting betting beforehand. Uh, that uh, they that, that, that their people's own observations. And I think people that's a big big factor with gambling as well as uh, looking at the polls and other uh, and other and other data. Uh, your own personal observations, and I think that that. Uh, in London, people got it wrong. Yeah, I, one of the stats prior to the vote that people started paying attention to was that the um, average bet size for Remain was significantly larger than the average bet size for for Leave, at least according to, um, I think I saw Ladbrokes point out that fact, perhaps others. Is that useful information? Does that tell you something? Or should people have taken something from that, that all the, peop- all the money betting on coming from the Remain was probably wealthier people whose circles were more pro-Remain? I think that's a very good point. And if we ever have another referendum like this, right. I think people will, <laughs> people will do that. I mean, certainly it was something that I didn't pick up at the time. Uh, and, and, and perhaps I, I, I should have done. But in fact, it, in fact, I think it did reflect something real, as, as we saw. Um, I mean, there was there was there was another factor here which uh, which had a, a big impact. Uh, we have early voting in the UK, uh, and uh, something like I think about 25 percent of voters can 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 vote early, and you get all sorts of leaks and information coming out about how the mm. early voting is going, uh, and uh, and uh, and and I think that uh, that has impacts had impacts on all sorts of things. But you assume that the bookies in their wealth of experience with this business would be making these sorts of adjustments, right? And I get that after the fact we can point out to this thing or that thing, but it just seems really, really surprising that they would be taken so off guard by the results of this referendum. I, I did. And in fact, I think that um, uh, the, uh, the bookmakers have probably lost quite a lot of money on this um, from, from, from what I can gather. Uh, I think that they made this assumption. They saw the way uh, they, they, they saw the way the polls were going, and they they, have, they were betting themselves on the Remain victory by not adjusting their odds accordingly, mm. uh, and and that that you know, for that they probably lost lost quite a lot of money, and that that is you 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 have got two sorts of markets: so those where the book, bookmakers set the odds. And that those where the actual market sets the odds, where which are done online pair, pair, pairing, but the Betfair in, in particular. Uh, but but uh, and I think that Betfair was very much uh, dominated by 
the London effect. And again, quite unrealistically, right, right through the night, the odds seemed that their odds seemed completely out out of kilter with with, with, with what I, I was I was I was reckoning. And I and I do think that the this difference between the the, the serious political gamblers uh, and those who are just they sort of come in just to this one event actually had a very very big impact. You know, it seems to me that there were sort of two levels of difficulty assessing which way this was going to go. One was that, you know, there isn't an, as much experience with referendums as there are with general elections. So, you know, no one's quite sure of the turnout model or anything like that. And then the second thing is there seems to be this crisis that's going on in global polling where lots of people, due to the rise of the Internet and due to changing behaviors, are thinking that polls just aren't as qual- uh, credible as they used to be. Do the betting markets, and when it comes to politics, are we going to see more and more failures like this as polling is perceived to be less uh, reputable than it has been in the past? Indeed. I think uh, I think that the, the British polling industry had a very bad uh, 2015 general election and got it completely wrong. Right. And I think they were looking for to the referendum to to sort of get things get things right. And interestingly, that uh, a lot of the pollsters were doing some fine tuning, adjusting their methodology for the for for for, the, for their final polls. And those adjustments, actually, <laughs> on reflection, uh, were in the wrong direction. Um, and 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 for that, they you know they 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 they, they they've lost out. Interestingly, only I think it was only two polls, pollsters actually their final polls had had a victory for for, for leave. All the other ones were were in the remain direction. So, does increased uncertainty around polling does that end up making it easier or harder to actually make money in political betting markets? Well, I I like to think it probably makes it easier because we, uh, you're always looking for. Opportunities where perceptions about what's going on are that on the mass are different from what your perception is, um, and and as and and so you, 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 because the odds are better, you know, if you if you if you got to, if you get to two to one, or or, or five to two as it was just before um, uh, after after the Sunderland result on on leave, that was that was fantastic overstatement of the chances of the. Uh, uh, of, of 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 a remain victory, so I you know it, it, I think it 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 actually it actually is quite helpful that the uh, data on which people are making these decisions uh, is probably less reliable, so people can be much more uh, sophisticated in their analysis and perhaps make more money. So going forward, I mean, obviously, well, we don't really know what's going to happen, but presumably there's not going to be another referendum. Um, but there will be more general elections and more votes and more political betting. Do you think that the result of that the outcome of this vote will cause people to I mean, I saw a lot of research analysts and certainly a lot of people on Bloomberg really watching those polling odds move minute to minute to try to glean some extra insight. Do you think people are going to pay less attention to them now just uh, after this failure well the problem is you have something like this the, what, what what else do you look at um and, right. and i you know it'd be almost the, the betting odds are the things that are there that's happening all the time 
and 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 there is nothing. There is really nothing else on the, at the at the at the key moments. Uh, but I think that maybe people ought to take things slightly less uh, slightly less seriously. We had the same thing, incidentally, on the uh, at the general election when, of course, the Conservatives won an overall majority. This was a year a year ago. Uh, and even at two, three hours after the exit polls, which were pointing to the Tories doing doing very well, you could get pretty good odds on on a conservative majority, which is what's happened. So that's two major elections on on the on the trot where where the where the the punters have got it uh, 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 have got it wrong. I think there's something pretty profound here: the fact that uh, you know we like to think that markets reflect all of the available information at any given time. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that markets are perfect forecasters, but that there aren't obvious arbitrages, aren't obvious profit opportunities at any given time, and that generally the market is the best distiller of information. And what you're saying and what it seems to have happened with this vote and what seems to have happened in the 2015 vote is that at least in these sort of unusual circumstances that for the savvy gambler, the savvy trader, the savvy uh, whatever, the savvy observer, there are times when if you're paying close attention, there are pretty big discrepancies between what the real data is saying and how the market is interpreting the data. Yeah, I think that is that is entirely right. And uh, I mean, it's it's funny. All the um, uh, the sort of I, I would regard the professional political gamblers that I know, all of them had, or almost all of them had, very good nights when that, when the, when those results were coming through. Um, uh, but they only represented a very small part of the the overall number of people who are actually looking at those odds and and and, and betting on them. Uh, so real quickly, what's the uh, what's the next thing that everyone's betting on these days? Uh, well, they're betting on who's going to be the um, uh, the next prime minister, um, and uh, we've got um, uh, obviously uh, David Cameron resigned the morning after that, and uh, uh, an election is taking place for who will be the next Conservative leader and be prime minister, uh, and uh, that's that 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 looks very interesting. That's very hard to call because um, uh, there's a complex system that the Conservative Party has. Uh, of choosing a leader, basically the MPs go for a process of, of voting, and then they create a short list of two, which then goes to the to the membership, and, and trying to work that one through can can be can be tricky. Mm. There's also a long history going back 50, 60 years of the long long-standing favourite for the Conservative leadership not getting it, and so so we're all you know you've got we've got mm. to be. Got to be got to be careful there. I'm I, I'm I'm quite worried about that as a betting market. Uh, also, the people are now starting to think, well, what's going to happen uh, to the you know is 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 are we actually going to leave the EU? And in fact, the, the, yeah, I was just going to ask if anyone's betting on that. Yet. Oh yes, there, there is a um, uh, the, 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 in order to leave it, the the the, the government has to. Um, uh, invoke Article 50 of the e- e- EU arrangements, uh, and that will require uh, it will require an act of an act of Parliament. Um, and uh, people are starting to question that there might be this might not be as easy as 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 as, 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 as you would think. Uh, and uh, a lot depends on who the next Prime Minister is and whether he or she uh, is 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 ready to sort of maybe. Maybe slightly adjust it, or maybe even ignore it. Is, I mean, that, 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 are there any sites yet that are actually taking bets on that yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, the market has just uh, 
just gone up. And interestingly, uh, uh, the, it, the, the market actually is, when will Article 50 be invoked, i.e. when will the, the formal process, because that's, that's when the, the divorce starts. Uh, and you can get three to one on uh, that being after January 1st, 2018. So that's... Uh, and given the time that it will take, I, I, I actually think that's quite a good bet. What uh, what what site is taking that bet right now? It's Skybet. Skybet, cool. Do you think that betting markets will do a better job of pricing or predicting those two situations—the new prime minister and the invocation of Article 50—than they did with the actual uh, referendum? I, I, I well, first of all, people don't don't bet in order to provide an alternative prediction model. They do it, they do it to try to make money, uh, but uh, hopefully they will. I mean, it's it, it was. Um, it was quite unusual this time that uh, that, it, that 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 it was so wrong, uh, but we shall see. We shall see. All right, Mike Smithson is uh, fascinating to talk to. I really appreciate. Uh, we really appreciate you coming back to share your perspective. I think it was a obviously a fascinating night um, <laughs> on several angles, and um, it, uh, thank you for joining us. I, I thank you for being invited. enjoyed that and I have to, I was making the same point that Mike was immediately the day after the vote that it seemed like there were some pretty big discrepancies between the data as it came in and the market so I guess from my I feel good that I'm not the only one who thought that yeah but I mean, this is one of those after the fact things right like as it's happening everyone's going like oh see I told you so if you looked at this you could see that this was going to happen and I I don't know. It just seems to me, you know, getting back to the idea that markets are supposed to synthesize all this information rationally, it just seems like something failed here, right? Like either markets are acting irrationally or the cynic in me wants to say that people are acting irrationally and we're getting weird outcomes in the real world. I don't know. So you think perhaps... It was not as much of a done deal after those early votes as people thought, but now after the fact saying, oh, yeah, it's totally obvious that it was over. Oh, I don't know what to think, Joe. It seems like I know. this is just one of those things that makes me really, really glad that I'm not actually in markets and having to um, we could just invest write, money. We could just talk and write about that. <laughs> right, exactly. How do you price um, this yeah, kind no, of risk, I, right? I agree. And, you know, I also liked his point that even if I feel, and I feel like this is probably true, which is that even if the betting markets um, ha don't have much predictive power or don't offer any particular insight, there isn't much else to go on. And so ultimately, I don't think people are going to stop looking at them because it's sort of like, you know, if you're uh, walking through the desert and you think, you know, you see something that looks like it might be water, you got to go to it just right. because everyone's so right. thirsty for data. People grasp for whatever's available, right? And it's, as you pointed yeah. out, it's the same thing with polls right now. We know there have been polling problems, and this has become an issue in politics, and now there seem to be betting market problems, but people will grasp for whatever they can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really, uh, I really enjoyed this episode, and that will do it for today's Odd Lots. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Joe Weisenthal. You can find me on Twitter at The Stalwart. And I'm Tracy Alloway. I'm on Twitter at Tracy Alloway. Thanks for listening.
Hey there, it's Joe Weisenthal. And Tracy Alloway. And we are the co-hosts of the Odd Lots podcast. And we want to tell you about a new podcast here at Bloomberg we're really excited about. Money Stuff, the podcast. That's right. Friend of the pod, Matt Levine, is teaming up with our other friend and Bloomberg TV host, Katie Greifeld, to bring the Money Stuff newsletter to life. Every Friday, Matt and Katie will dive into all the Wall Street finance and other things that make Matt's newsletter such a hit. You can listen to Money Stuff the Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.